Welcome to Business English Pod, a great way to improve your English skills on the go. Business negotiating, concluding a deal. Concluding a deal is the final part of a business negotiation, and often takes place after several talks and discussions have been held to negotiate every aspect of the deal. Participating in the conclusion of the deal usually means that you have been present at earlier discussions or are familiar with the possibilities that have already been discussed. While concluding the deal, both parties are aware of each other's positions, and no new conditions are usually applied. The final discussion is conducted in a positive style because each stakeholder wants to get his or her conditions accepted without making the other feel defeated. Which may lead to the deal not being signed at all. In this lesson, we will examine two different deal conclusions: one which is accepted, and another which is rejected. In each case, we see that there is a service or goods provider and buyer. Apart from price, there are other factors such as delivery dates, quantities, and other product or service details that are finalized at the conclusion of each deal. You will now listen to a dialogue between Susan, the owner of a clothing store, and Brian, who represents a design store. Susan and Brian are concluding a deal their companies have been negotiating over the past few weeks. Okay, let's get started. The way I see it, we have three issues to finalize: the price for eighty new designs, a timeline for the first design sketches, and the number of designers you can appoint for our project. Is that correct? That's right, Susan. I'm assuming there's been no change in your contractual positions. No, there hasn't. We did consider the alternatives you suggested, but the logistics are already in place, and we'd like to confirm that the original contractual details will remain as decided. Thanks for the confirmation. We have a team of twenty designers in place. We can appoint to your project as soon as the details are finalized. Before we get to that. I'd like to go over the details regarding item one: the price and development of eighty new designs for our fall collection. According to our previous discussion, we had pointed out that we would need exclusive rights to the designs. Are you still asking for a thirty percent increase in the price quote for the sports collection? Yes, that's right. I can explain our reasons in greater detail if it will help to clarify our position. Yes, please do so. Well, the sports series involves a lot more collaborative work than the regular designs, since we need to incorporate designs for both men and women in the same series. We do understand your reasons, but I'm afraid we can't offer more than the price already discussed for the sports collection. We'd very much like to come to an agreement on this, but I'm afraid my hands are tied on this one. Let me see if I have this right. Assuming that everything else is agreed upon to our mutual satisfaction, your company would still require an agreement for the price quote on the designs to go forward with the deal. Is that correct? That's absolutely right. We do appreciate the compromises you have agreed to on other aspects of the negotiation, but this is one area where we are simply unable to make any concessions. I understand your difficulties. We have similar considerations to keep in mind in terms of what we've budgeted for this collection, or we'd have loved to work with you. Just as a suggestion, would it be possible for you to work with us on the sixty casual designs and find another designer for the twenty sports designs? I wish we could do that, but it's a management policy to grant the entire contract to the same designers to maintain the same standard and look. I understand. 
Well, it's a pity we couldn't come to an agreement on this collection. Do keep us in mind for future casual wear designs. I will, thanks. We'll make sure your details are on file for future projects. The final discussion begins with one of the stakeholders summarizing the issues that the two speakers will try to resolve in the meeting. Let's listen again to how Susan briefly outlines what she and Brian need to discuss. The way I see it, we have three issues to finalize the price for 80 new designs, a timeline for the first design sketches, and the number of designers you can appoint for our project. Is that correct? She ends her summary by asking, Is this correct? By saying this, she is asking for Brian's confirmation of what she has said, and also inviting him to draw attention to any other issues he may want to resolve. From Brian's response, we see that he agrees with Susan on the topics which need to be addressed, but also has a clarification of his own to make. He says, That's right, Susan. I'm assuming there's been no change in your contractual positions. By beginning with the phrase, I'm assuming, Brian is letting Susan know that his company doesn't expect any changes in the contractual details, but he would like to verify this all the same. Note that both speakers try to take positive positions to show each other that they want a friendly and mutually beneficial conclusion to the deal. This shows the other speaker that even if the deal does not come through, each person wants to end the negotiation on a positive note to sustain their business relationship in the long term. To this end, Susan provides a brief explanation in response to Brian's question to let him know that her company appreciates the requests for changes that his company has made earlier in the negotiation process. She says, No, there hasn't. We did consider the alternatives you suggested, but the logistics are already in place, and we'd like to confirm that the original contractual details will remain as decided. By saying, We did consider the alternatives you suggested. Susan is letting Brian know that her company cares about their business associates' requirements, even if it cannot always meet them. Brian makes sure he thanks Susan for the confirmation and begins to talk about the number of designers that they have available for the project. However, Susan steers the conversation back to another topic that she feels is more important. She says, Before we get to that, I'd like to go over the details regarding item one, the price and development of 80 new designs for our fall collection. According to our previous discussion, we had pointed out that we would need exclusive rights to the designs. Are you still asking for a 30% increase in the price quote for the sports collection? In terms of the context of this meeting, we see that Susan is right to focus on this point, as it is the deciding factor in the negotiation. She uses the phrase, Before we get to that, to let Brian know that she considers this issue more important than the one he wants to discuss. In the exchanges that follow, we see that although it seems clear to both Susan and Brian that they cannot close the deal, and Susan will have to reject Brian's offer, both ensure that they express understanding of each other's positions. First, Susan says, We do understand your reasons, but I'm afraid we can't offer more than the price already discussed for the sports collection. By saying we do understand your reasons, Susan is letting Brian know that she and her company are sympathetic to the position that Brian's company is in. However, by adding her own reason after using the phrase, I'm afraid, she is also highlighting the fact that her company cannot change its position on the offer. For his part, 
Brian points out that his company is very keen to do business with Susan's firm, but that they are also unable to change their position. He says, "We'd very much like to come to an agreement on this, but I'm afraid my hands are tied on this one." Using phrases like "my hands are tied" indicates to the other person that even though you'd like to make a concession for them, you are unable to do so. Susan uses a similar phrase when she says, "I wish we could do that, but it's a management policy to grant the entire contract to the same designers to maintain the same standard and look." It's a management policy. Is another phrase you can use to show the other stakeholder that you do not have the power to change a particular aspect of the negotiation. It is more polite to use such phrases than to say, "I'm sorry, but we can't do that." Even though Brian and Susan are unable to sign the deal, we see that they end the negotiation on a positive note to keep their business associations friendly. In this conversation. You will listen to the conclusion of a negotiation between representatives of two firms, a television station, and a production firm. Sid represents Studio Eleven, a production firm that has presented a proposal to LATV, a Los Angeles-based television network, for a new crime drama series. Margie represents LATV. Hi, Sid. Thanks for coming in today. No problem. I hope we can work something out. Likewise. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that the only issue that remains unresolved is that we would like exclusive rights to the series. Yes, that's right. Our management has discussed the issue from all angles, and unfortunately, there seems to be no way in which we can give you exclusive rights to the show. Perhaps if you could outline your reasons, we may be able to work something out. Well, it's essentially a question of company policy. Although there are a few special circumstances in this case as well, would you mind elaborating on the circumstances? Well, the main reason is that the executive producer and creator of the show has already agreed to having it aired at a regional television channel in Chile in exchange for permission to film the pilot episode in Valparaiso. Ah, I understand your situation better now. Will the series be broadcast in Chile in Spanish? Yes, that's the plan. I can think of one way in which we may be able to find a solution. What if you could offer us exclusive rights to the English version? Would that work for you? I think that would be possible. In fact, if you're agreeable to it, we could offer you exclusive rights to the show, with one exception of the agreement we've already signed with the TV station in Chile. That would be fantastic. Thanks. Not at all. Thank you for the suggestion. Well, if there's nothing else, let's shake on it. We sure can. Thanks, Margie. We'll have the contract signed and dispatched by the end of the day. Great! I look forward to working with you. Likewise. In this conversation, Sid and Margie were able to resolve a problem that helped them conclude the deal. Margie is a seasoned negotiator who manages to get Sid to elaborate on the terms of his company's position, so that they can both benefit from the situation. Margie begins the conversation by thanking Sid for coming, and Sid responds by expressing his hope that they can make a positive conclusion to the negotiations. Let's listen to that again. Hi, Sid. Thanks for coming in today. No problem. I hope we can work something out. Such small pleasantries may be exchanged at the beginning of the meeting to set a positive tone. By greeting the other person pleasantly, you can get the conversation off to a good start. And help the other person become more receptive to what you are saying. 
Margie then lays the course for the discussion by pointing out that she has a concern which needs to be resolved. She says, Likewise. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that the only issue that remains unresolved is that we would like exclusive rights to the series. Sid's response indicates that his company is aware of the problem and has tried to find a solution, but that there is nothing they can do to improve their position. Let's hear what he says. Yes, that's right. Our management has discussed the issue from all angles, and unfortunately there seems to be no way in which we can give you exclusive rights to the show. This issue could clearly have made a deal impossible, but Margie makes an attempt to find out more about why Sid's company is reluctant to revise its position. Let's listen to how she does this. Perhaps if you could outline your reasons, we may be able to work something out? Well, it's essentially a question of company policy, although there are a few special circumstances in this case as well. Would you mind elaborating on the circumstances? Margie's use of language is careful as she politely inquires about the reasons that Sid's company has to maintain their position. We see that Margie then makes a clarification about the language that the show will be broadcast in by asking, Will the series be broadcast in Chile in Spanish? She does this so that she can get a clear picture of Sid's position before she suggests an alternative. We see that she knows the right questions to ask. Let's listen to how she proposes an alternative solution. I can think of one way in which we may be able to find a solution. What if you could offer us exclusive rights to the English version? Would that work for you? After making her suggestion, Margie is careful to ask, Would that work for you? This shows that she cares about Sid's opinion and also wants to ensure that her proposal will benefit both of them. Sid is not only happy to agree, but also adds his own suggestion to the alternative by saying, I think that would be possible. In fact, if you're agreeable to it, we could offer you exclusive rights to the show, with one exception of the agreement we've already signed with the TV station in Chile. By using phrases such as, if you're agreeable to it, you can ensure that you let the other person know that you are proposing something that you think will be in both your best interests. Let's listen to how they close the deal. That would be fantastic. Thanks. Not at all. Thank you for the suggestion. Well, if there's nothing else, let's shake on it. We sure can. Thanks, Margie. We'll have the contract signed and dispatched by the end of the day. Great. I look forward to working with you. Likewise. Note that Margie uses the phrase, let's shake on it. This means that the two parties have come to an agreement about the deal and are ready to close the negotiations on a favorable note. In this lesson... We saw that a negotiation can end with either a rejection or an acceptance of the offer. In the first dialogue, the deal fell through because neither negotiator was in a position to make further compromises. In the second one, we saw how one of the negotiators was able to pull off a beneficial deal for both by asking the right questions and assuring that both points of view were heard. Whether or not a negotiation ends in the signing of a deal, both parties usually ensure that they remain on good terms and maintain a good business relationship. That's all for this Business English Podcast lesson. We hope you enjoyed listening. Business English Podcast is part of Workplace English Training e-magazine. To access the podcast transcript for this and other Business English Podcast lessons, you'll need to subscribe to Workplace English Training e-magazine at www.workplace.com. English-training.com.
www.workplaceenglishtraining.com. Workplace English Training e-Magazine is a monthly interactive online magazine focusing on all aspects of business English training. It is suitable for pre-intermediate to advanced level learners. Each issue of the e-magazine is packed with interactive lessons to help you improve your business writing, speaking, listening, and vocabulary. Learning is challenging yet fun. Here's that subscription address once again: www.workplace-english-training.com.